Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. And I hope you're having a beautiful one o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm joined by Griggs Blankenberg, Ben McClurkin. My name is Noah Phillips. But you already know what time it is. It's, talk, it's time to talk about the exquisite world of Formula One right here on Smooth Operators. Griggs, Ben, how are we feeling today? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Yeah, excited to talk Formula One again. We got a race week, gentlemen. Finally. Even though we had like three in a row yeah. at one point. But yeah, it's great to be back again. How dare they not race every single week? How dare Russia get in a war, man? Mm. What? That's why That's why last week was off is because of uh, oh, yeah. Russia invading Ukraine. Technically, he's true. Shout out Russia. Oh, yeah. Shout out Ukraine. I forgot about that major uh, political event that happened in our lifetime. Geopolitical. Mm-hmm. It's still ongoing, kind of. Oh, yeah. But let's get back to Formula One. The big news out of... Um, Formula One this week, the FIA has now made an offer to Red Bull, Oracle Red Bull Racing after Formula uh, One uh, FIA determined they breached the Formula One cost cap in the 2021 season, which saw Max Verstappen win the Drivers' Championship and Red Bull finish second in the Constructors. Um, punishments have still are yet to be determined, and this offer was given to the uh, Red Bull, I think, two days ago, and still we've not heard anything about, about that one, but... What could this signal if Red Bull accepts this offer? Uh, I think this offer is a sign of the FIA's weakness at this period in time. They have to offer a team a deal for breaking the rules that they set, and Red Bull could just essentially get out of it if they do what they say. The it's, thing you, it's ridiculous. The thing you also got to look at, they made the cost cap without like any – like penalties like established for like different percentages yeah they just said potential p- penalties like it's the same as minor penalties the same as spending one dollar over to the same as spending seven and a half million dollars over yeah so it's, it's they had to they didn't go into it establishing what that meant yeah and red bull took advantage of that and was they called their bluff and i still think they won what's seven million dollars really for a minor infrared what is that like Two weeks of catering. What is that? <laughs> I, what? That's what that's what Red Bull wants you to think. That's what. Yeah, but so um, all the details are still being kept confidential. Um, Red Bull, if they accept it, will accept wrongdoing for cost cap breach, but they will receive less severe punishments. You have to imagine they're telling Red Bull what the punishments would be if they don't accept. Correct. Yes. That's what they should do at least. I mean, if. It's still under it, so they can't be like a major thing. Everyone's saying it's really not a possibility for Max to lose his thing. I'm starting to feel like more could have something to do with, I don't know, the FIA is weird in the fact they don't know when they're going to drop information on stuff. Yeah. So it could be in the middle of the race on Sunday, or it could be five minutes before lights out, and then it could be two hours after the race. Who knows? So I don't really even know what to expect. I imagine Red Bull's going to accept it because the – Tiling I'm seeing on SkySports.com is it will be a less severe punishment. So I imagine they take that in terms of just dragging this out longer, which from Christian Horner's perspective, they do not want to do, and Max as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like a plea deal at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Would you rather go to jail for 20 years or just admit to doing wrongdoing and go to jail for five? You know, Mm -hmm. of course, this is more of a money or championship thing to do. So would you rather lose your championship or just pay a fine of two and a half million dollars, which you probably have your Red Bull team? Mm -hmm. I heard a scenario that could potentially, I don't know, take away the money they win from the constructors this year. All of it? I thought I heard something like that, but then That's again, huge. that would be huge. But then again, they could recoup that money from all their sponsors and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, that much to Red Bull with a team like that and all their sponsors they have wouldn't be as detrimental as it would be for some other team to have won and then taken all the money away. Like if Haas loses all the money they get if they finish like what, like seventh, that would be detrimental to them. Usually, mm-hmm. or like the other team that committed uh, salary salary cap uh, inflection. The Aston Martin team. Yeah, I think that's our. I think they've already settled that one out, really, just because it was like so similar to what Williams had happened, where Williams like forgot to file their stuff by a certain time, so they just gave him a minor like a fine. So I feel like they've already figured that one out. But now it's just waiting for the ever all-knowing FIA to release this information on the all-knowing FIA. But yeah, I don't know. All these drivers are now taking big stands against it. Lewis, Lewis, and other drivers are coming out talking about like how they need to be more like severe in the future because like they Lewis, didn't have the they didn't have the in his favor. I will say this, baiting him for Lewis, he's right in the fact that they did not have any penalties set in place when this happened when they debuted this back in 2021. So he was right on that part, and I do believe that they need to be more direct on what would happen in the future after this. What would happen? if some team goes over or under. But this next one could determine, like, this penalty right here could determine what it would look like in the future. Hmm. You see, like, what's interesting about this offer is that if they do accept the ABA, they no longer subject themselves to points, deductions, and other further penalties. But they also agree to whatever the FIA has to decide, and they don't know that so i if i were red bull i'd still say no i wouldn't back down i i really don't i think what they did with the fia is doing is being weak and if i if i was a team principal or uh, a ceo of an organization like that i would absolutely say yeah this is not true we've been accused wrongly and even if we did go over it's not enough to make us win a world championship that's my that's my take on that it was catering fia we swear <laughs> we swear we just had too many lobster rolls come on come on now lobster roll you think it, catering would be over would be mercedes because of lewis but yeah <laughs> but well, well he's cheap because he's vegan so they just send a bunch of veggies up there and then he has a great time right but they also got to uh feed roscoe Mm. His bullpen, or his bulldog. His bullpen. His bullpen. Here's a question. Is his dog also vegan? I believe so. I think it's in his Instagram bio that he's vegan. That poor, poor animal. I like Roscoe, though. He's funny. He is funny. But he's a vegan. And his owner is a million-dollar race car driver that has watch endorsements worth more than us three put together. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all of his endorsements are worth more than us put together. I think one of his endorsements is yes. worth more, like his smallest one. Mm-hmm. Like if he got, if he got a deal from like, I don't know, the British 
supply or uh, the British corner store chain Tesco, for example, like if if they were to give him, I don't know, like fifty grand for doing something, it would be worth more than all of us, just as broke college kids. But realistically, with this um, budget stuff, is it going to affect mainly Red Bull this year or next year? I have a feeling more that it's going to be next year. I think because it's too far into the season. My guess is they're going to drag this out for as long as they can, and then at the end of the day, they're going to remove what Red Bull overspent from in 2021 to next year's budget, so they're going to minus that plus a fine. But that's my opinion on what's going to happen. They're going to drag this out for as long as possible. We're not going to figure this out until Brazil. So We'll be finding out in June. <laughs> Let's Day before that. Drive to Survive drops. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, We're going to find out through Drive to Survive probably. I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> that would be upsetting. It'd be hilarious, though. It'd be, yeah. If we are still have not heard the results of this debate in, until March, <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's completely possible and maybe even a likely scenario. Will Buxton explain what happened? I just got word from the FIA. Red Bull, his championship has been removed. For the year 2022. You need to pause longer between your words. Oh, yeah, I do. I forgot. It's like, I've just received word that Red Bull (laughs) has been handed a punishment by the FIA. We're just doing Will Buxton stuff. But in the future, do do you think this will cause a change to the budget cap now, like forever? I feel like it will. Yeah, I I think... The the budget cap changes that they made were good in order to get new teams in, but if teams can just go over the budget cap, if the top teams can just go over it, what's the point of even restricting spending at all? Like, and having to spend more money to pay a fine. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Unless it's deducted from next year's budget, which is, I think, a fair punishment. Mm-hmm. Do you think the FIA will ever go for something like a luxury tax like the NBA <laughs> where like you just have to pay a certain amount of money per like million dollar you're over the salary cap? I don't know because a lot of teams mishandle the luxury tax in the MLB. They go over it in the NBA or mainly just the MLB because the MLB doesn't have like a salary cap. Yeah. They go over and they just pay the fines. I feel like having more knowing me from an all sports background all like if you have more money on like a baseball player like five million dollars to a baseball player is a lot looks a lot different than five million dollars on a formula one car Mm. yeah so that could have like dramatic impacts like say let's say let's say mclaren come out next year they spend 20 million dollars over the budget cap they get these fines and stuff but they have a legit rocket ship on the racetrack yeah like that would be like with mlb oh we're paying a pitcher six million dollars more well we got to take a one million dollar penalty who cares? Who might get us yeah. a win? And so, I think, too, with the MLB and the NBA, the clubs are have a lot deeper pockets than the F1 teams, but the F1 teams spend a lot more money. So for, for a fine to be a million dollars to, say, Williams, that's quite that's a lot of detrimental. money. Detrimental. Like I was saying with Haas, that they got all their stuff taken away. That'd be, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, like, crippling. And mm-hmm. I think for the bigger teams they still have like quite a lot of money involved like you know hundreds of millions of dollars outside of development and research they're they're given 145 million dollars on car development and research mm-hmm. that doesn't include driver salary and other things but somehow 
that's or that's how I think it should be. I think I think the cost cap should be strictly on the car and not on the driver or the team or the catering or the catering. Or the catering. There's no or the bulldogs. Yeah. There's no excuse that way. They can't say, "Oh yeah, we spent it on this and this and this." That's not related. Because they could have spent it on something else, and it makes it a lot harder to lie about it if it's just car-related cost cap. Yeah. That's what I think. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our budget cap talk. When we come back, we're getting more into the American F1 market, how it's grown so much over the past couple years. But first, we're going to take a break. This is Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome in to the Smooth Operators Podcast. I'm your good friend, Ben McClurkin, alongside my other good friends, Griggs Blankenberg and Noah Phillips. Welcome in. And uh, we're just going to get right into it, guys. American market for Formula One has grown exponentially since, I don't know, say we'll s- 2018. Yeah, we'll say that, 2018. 2018 is a good, a good, a good marker. Um, and what I've seen over the past, I don't know, five years or so, is that we really like racing in America, mm-hmm. and we really like fast cars, and we like the fastest cars to be brought to the biggest stage. Las Vegas, mm-hmm. not um, da- not Daytona, Miami, mm-hmm. Austin. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we feel about say more American races at tracks that are? actually meant to be raced on so what do we what do we think about having more races in general and also what tracks would you pick in the u.s i think for the american market going off what you said i mean we also have to credit the drive to survive series that's been really really good and then espn's done a lot better job promoting it in the past couple years as well so Mm -hmm. that was been good since they still own the f1 rights here in america Mm -hmm. but for this i think that it's kind of weird because America is the only country that have more than two races. I mean, technically, you could say Italy has two races. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. So America is the only country to have three races. Or next year, they will. Right now, we're tied for the most races with two. But I don't know where else they could go. I mean, like, we're going to get uh, all the European backlashes already started where they're like, why is America getting all these markets? Like, why does America have three races and yet Germany doesn't have a race yet? Which I still think is crazy. That Germany doesn't have a race. That does make me very upset. I mean, you have like multiple drivers from Germany and then a few teams located there or based out of there or from their companies are from there. What I'm saying. And car manufactured started in Germany. The mm-hmm. first ever car was actually built in Germany. But when you first look at ever race was in France, but there's no Formula One races in France anymore. Sorry, no. Continue. When you look around this great nation that we have here inside the United States. You see great tracks like Daytona, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Texas. Talladega. (laughs) But the problem is they have been built for one great, and I'm not going to say great, never mind, I'm going to cut that off here, but NASCAR has really dominated this American market, and it's a shame to see how far off the deep deep end they've been since they're, really downfall back in the early 2000s or really late 2000s really but thankfully f1 has recaptured that uh, american market and given motor racing back to the states that it desperately missed because so many people have stopped watching nascar Hmm. which is why i think 
and you probably be a big, big proponent of this and well, instead of some F1 drivers going into IndyCar, try hand at NASCAR. Because that can bring over that American audience that know them and recognize them from Formula One races and Drive to Survive and bring over a whole international audience to follow their favorite racer into a different form of racing. Because right now is what you said, that timeline. It's kind of the after Dale's death in Daytona, it kind of started to dwindle down a little bit more and more. Especially it's, when they got this new class of drivers that uh, is now really going off the deep end with Jeff Gordon and Kurt Busch and all those guys. Um, those guys were good. They were good, but the problem was they weren't Dale Earnhardt and they weren't the southern man that grew up hard. They were pretty boys from Los Angeles. And that, that's why so many people uh, stopped watching. Lost its roots, really. It lost its roots. So you don't like Lance Stroll either, but for the sake of consistency. You're not a Lance Stroll guy. No. Hmm. You are, you're very anti. I'm anti-establishment, man. You can hear it probably in the tone of my voice. Yes, I can. That's fair. Uh, former locations of the U.S. Grand Prix include Watkins Glen, Phoenix, Arizona, a parking lot in Dallas, a parking lot in Las Vegas, a parking lot in Miami, and, the and Sebring. <laughs> We've had some really good tracks and some really bad tracks. You say Indianapolis, man? Yes. Okay. Oh my goodness, I, I totally to forgot. I was about to say that was the one I. That's the yeah, that's the classic one, 2000 to 2007. But 2000 and what six was the worst race ever. I didn't even, I haven't watched it yet. It's before my time. But on, on other fronts, we have multiple good places that could host a Formula One track. Include you know I think Watkins Glen would be a viable option if they made it FIA grade one though it yeah. would take away the essence of that track. But Monaco's not grade one, and we still have racing there. That's I think because they've been racing there since like the fifties. Yeah, but we raced at Watkins Glen in the seventies and the sixties. I think it's just Monaco's historic. Really, when you ask a non Formula One person like which track do you recognize, kind of. You really point to Monaco, I think. Yeah, but you can make you can make that historical argument for Watkins Glen if people well, I guess you can't really, not to anybody from an outside perspective. Like no one outside of America and like old F one fans really know that they raced in Watkins Glen anyway. Or that it exists in the first place. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, right now the only uh race series that I hold is NASCAR and IMSA. IMSA. I love IMSA. Because I wish IndyCar would. IndyCar does not go there. I wish they would. No, they don't. I think uh, another cool series that I'd love to see at Watkins Glen would be the uh, new WEC cars, the new uh, hypercars. Have you seen those? Yes, that would be amazing. They're so much smaller than F1 cars, and they would get around that track really quickly. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. F1 to North, North Wilkesboro. Ooh, okay, that'd be yes, that'd be yes. that'd be wild Ooh. on a half mile track. I don't even know how they'd do that. But places where we could see F one go in America, if sorry to our international viewers, we're gonna talk too much about America because we are in America. USA. God bless us. So they now have a race in three separate time zones. I don't think uh I doubt they're gonna add a mountain time zone. I don't think they're gonna have a Denver Grand Prix. Yeah, what's Germany gonna have to say about that? If the US gets to four races before Germany gets to one, oh my goodness. Yeah. I might be upset at that. I think we just need to replace Las Vegas. But do you see the next, if we added an American race again, would it be more likely that it'd be another street circuit or would it be a actual like racetrack race? 
it'll be an act. It'll be a street uh, race because those are supposed to bring in more money, but it needs to be a racetrack race. And I think uh, many people would agree me on that. I think Ben, you would probably agree with me on that. Yeah, I would agree. Best case is it goes to a real a real circuit, and there's enough stuff for the FIA to say that we can host a weekend here, or you can host a weekend here. Worst case is it's another street circuit, and most likely is it's another street circuit. So be prepared, folks. They might be coming to New York City. I I feel like that would never happen, I don't think. I don't think Las Vegas. They I almost think, raced in Times Square. I feel like they could do – but that would just cost so much wildness. And the fact they even got a Las Vegas street race to be, like, approved and how they're going to have to, like, set up for all that stuff and – all that. I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm not super pumped about it. But I'm excited for Las Vegas. I mean, it's going to be cool from our perspective, I guess, because I do. Th- I just want to see it before I criticize it, really. Yeah, don't knock it until you've watched it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to knock it until that happens. But where do you, like, if they went to another track, where do you think it could potentially go, Ben? Uh, psh- I don't know. We have so many NFL stadiums. One of the parking lots, I suppose. Or no, I meant like an actual racetrack race. Oh, actual racetrack race. Uh, Road Atlanta, Road America, Watkins Glen. Those are those are my top three. Could they do the Roval, Noah? Or no? Is that not possible? No, they no. do the Roval. No. Charlotte, <laughs> man. If have them go to Charlotte and tell them track limits isn't a thing. Hey, they can visit the NASCAR Hall of Fame while they're there. If, if cool. they're gonna go to an actual like uh, Roval. They're either going to do Daytona or they're going to do Indianapolis. And both of those would be – well, Daytona really wouldn't be as bad if they did the uh, endurance layout, not the NASCAR layout that they did like two years ago. Oof. Which – and I don't, I wouldn't mind seeing Indy. I just do not like the street course – or not street course, but road course there. Mm. If you're going to race on Indy, I think you need to race on the oval, the historic oval. Um, the rectangle. But but you bring up these street courses. I don't know if you gentlemen knew this, but NASCAR is actually going to be doing a street course in Chicago. Just to tell oh, you how no, much goodness. no money those actually bring in NASCAR, the circuit that races or the racing series that races on ovals. Hey, the only NASCAR races I've watched this season have been on circuits with left and right turns. Did you watch the dirt oval at Bristol? No, I wish I had. Indeed, they are racing on dirt, uh, street circuits, road courses, and ovals next. And you know what? Maybe F1 needs to step it up. They Make need to go down dirt? to Bristol dirt and race there. That's what they need to do. I mean, Red Bull drove a car across America to get to Miami, allegedly, in allegedly. that ad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. In that but, ad, not the green screen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Ben, unfortunately, will have to be leaving us early today to go go on a trip this weekend. I'm but sorry, guys. It's all good. But we wanted to get his opinions on the race this weekend because it is at Coda. We're going to give him some time right now. He's going to give us his pole prediction, his podium, and any other thoughts he has going into this weekend. Yeah, pole prediction goes to Max Verstappen. He's been historically dominant at this track. But I think he will not overcome the championship hangover that has stricken such greats as Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, and Ayrton Senna. Those guys have won championships early in their season and wound up slumping the next race. So I say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give the win to Carlos Sainz. Ooh. 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 
What, okay. What, what about your pole? Pole position goes to Max Verstappen. I think he has a good lap. And then two and three, you think? Uh, two goes to Mr. Verstappen. I think, I think he's going to push the tires too hard, and he'll be pitting late. And I think Mr. Signs with the win. And we'll give third place to George Russell. Hmm. He's struggled lately. I think he can bounce back. Any surprise this weekend we're going to see? Anything that you want to predict non-rate, non-like finishing-wise? Uh, yeah, look for a return to pace from Alfa Romeo. Mm. Oh, okay. That's been I say like, that they're going to finish dead last. I know it. I know it. No, we said the same thing about Haas the last like like a few episodes ago. And yeah, was, and they did pretty well. But then we praised Alcon, Alcon, and then he did terrible that race. And then the next week he gets like P like four or five. Yeah. So not this race, but by uh, Mexico, I will be right about Alfa Romeo. Also, watch Aston Martin. Mm. Watch Aston Martin. And any driver you have specifically want to keep an eye on? Um, yes. His name is Alex Albon. Mm. <laughs> I think he's going to finish P9. Okay. Wow. Ooh, Ooh that's Ooh. a good one. Ooh. Well, thank you, Ben, for Wish those. Me luck, guys. But thank you for those predictions. Have fun this weekend. Thank you very much. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, Noah and I have an extended preview on what is going to be happening at the Circuit of the Americas this weekend in Austin, Texas. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bradley Basin Studio inside the Melbourne Student Center. Right now, me and Griggs are a little bit hurt because Ben hasn't left us. Griggs is also hurt because of medical football. Hush. I'm just here, ladies and gentlemen. But, but luckily for both of us, we got some racing. We got this some Sunday. race. Finally, get to talk about some racing now. Indeed, the actual race. But now, yes, the Circuit of the Americas, the Formula One Aramco United States Grand Prix, that will be at 2 p.m. Central Time here. That's also the same as the track time. Only the the first time we've had that happen this year for us, where the track time is the same as our local time. Finally. So two Eastern. It, or two uh, central will be the race this weekend in Dallas. I think that's going to be on ABC. But yes, the first Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas was in 2012. It is a 5.13 kilometer race or uh, circuit. Each lap is 5.1, 5.513 kilometers. Race distance is 308.405 kilometers. Track uh, lap record is held by Mr. Charles Leclerc back in 2019, and they will go around the Circuit of the Americas 56 times. Indeed, and the first thing you really notice about this track is the elevation change. Mm -hmm. Of course, you got that large run-up into Turn 1 that is basically like going up a roller coaster track. That's kind of what this track is. It's like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. You got uh, dips and dives pretty much everywhere. You got big-time corners. Um, If you've driven it either... In real life, which is very impressive if you have done, but more realistically, if you've driven it in the F1 game, you know how hard it is to get Sector 1 right. Mm-hmm. And that is where this race is probably going to be won. And then, yeah, you got the uh, lap um, where it's, again, it's one of the few F1 tracks where it is the left-hand turn off out of the pit straight. Yeah. And that's going to have to do a lot with... Uh, Yellow cars, or not yellow cars, but yellow flags especially, because trying to get out in front of somebody that's ahead of you, trying to 
get the undercut or overcut is going to be very important, getting a good pit exit and getting a good pit entry as well. Mm -hmm. Because it is kind of a hard turn uh, going into – uh, going from turn 19 to uh, the pit pit wall. Especially I'm watching it back right now, Kevin Magnuson go through it. It's such an ele- – you're right with the elevation change where it will go – you're going up at the start of the race and then going right back down off of turn one. And the other great thing about that turn, you can pretty much take it a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. You can cut up on the curbs a little bit. You can take it wide. You can, you can do a lot of different things especially going down in a turn two, that's just that sneaky little right-hander that sets you up for three, four, and five. You take you, tar- you take turn two really fast, and getting a good exit off of one is probably one of, if not the, important moments of this track. Of course, you got uh, sec- uh, turn 11 and sector two that set you up for the back uh, straightaway, the one of two DRS zones uh, at the Circuit of the Americas. And then, yeah, I mean – the thing that really stands out to me here as well is that 12, 13, 14, 15, where it's just so quick changes in terms of direction. Right off the – both DRS zones here, right off the DRS, you're immediately going into a turn, really. But one going uphill and then one off the straightaway. And then having to wind around that snake-like end of 12, 13, 14, and 15 to get back onto like a U-shape of uh, uh, 16 through 19 to go back to the front straight. And 16, 17, and 18 is really um, – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good Lord. Uh, really remarkable because it's like the turkey turn 15, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The uh, long left hand where you have like three or four different apexes you have to hit. This is a telco track, but he took one of his greatest creations, of course, uh, turn 15, and into, put it into Circuit of the Americas. That was one of the things he's tried to do at a lot of different tracks, and it works really, really well here, especially in Sector 3, because you have to nail it, and if you don't, you have an opportunity to lose a race on the last lap in the last sector, because uh, just after that, it's, of course, one left-hander, one right-hander, and you're at the finish line. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is an interesting track. Like, Right now, I'm looking at the weather right now. Talk with it, like, how, like, important a good start is at this track, especially going uphill. You know, at other circuits, it's not that uh, large of a rundown in turn one. You mm-hmm. can look at something like Baku. You're, there's a little bit of straightaway before you hit turn one, but it's not a lot. Here, hitting turn one from the start is everything. I already talked about it earlier how there's a lot of different ways you can take turn one. You can go out wide. You can go up the middle. You can take that apex and nearly go over the curb with it if you want but getting a good start here is going to be really really tricky because as we were watching it espn earlier it's windy in austin texas it is windy i'm looking at the weekend forecast right now today it's 12 mile per hour wind so you're right 87 degrees fahrenheit 12 mile an hour winds gonna be mostly sunny this weekend not it's not looking like it's texas for if we have any international viewers listeners for this episode it's gonna be mostly sunny it's texas it's hot they should know this from past not as hot as like might be like Baku or stuff like that or Singapore. But. And the difference between uh, Texas and another hot place like Miami or Las Vegas is Texas is a dry heat. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Miami heat where it's uh, one you got a breeze and two it's humid weather like we're used to here in Southeast Alabama. But a dry heat is going to have different effects on the tires, especially because there'll be 
Uh, I think it'll be less sticky mm-hmm. for those tires hitting that hot pavement down in Austin, Texas. Yeah, less than a 10% ch- uh, 11% chance of rain tomorrow for qualifying and practice three. And then Sunday for the race, 8% chance of rain. But tomorrow, you're going still going off a correct 16-mile-an-hour winds for both Saturday and Sunday, both at a temperature of 89 degrees, Partly, uh, mostly sunny Saturday, partly cloudy on Sunday. So with a lot of open space out there in Texas with not a lot around that track, it's it's going to be windy, and they got to be able to get those turns right, or they could be we could be seeing the impacts of the wind really early and often. Has there really been a windy track so far this season? I think this is going to be the first one where it's like actually windy. Actually, and it'll have an effect on race, especially in turns like uh, turn one, uh, turn fourteen, turn nineteen, twenty. With those like right-handed or right and left-handed ninety degree, if you don't uh, turn it perfectly with the wind, you have a great opportunity to lose your back end mm-hmm. and spin around or do something like that. Especially, yeah, those that could cause like if you oversteer just a little bit, it could cause you detrimental race position and points to your team in that one. So it's gonna be crazy. I mean, this is the first race this year where we've going off. We had to do our predictions and stuff in the next segment where we don't have anything really to go off yet this weekend because. Qualify the first practice session will be right when we get off air, so we don't really have anything to go off of right now. Indeed, so we're going to look crazy when we make some of our predictions after we watch practice in a little bit. But NASCAR also drives this track, mm-hmm. and I brought up the wind earlier, but in NASCAR it's a lot easier to lose your back end, mm-hmm. and I'm very interested to see how much these cars are able to stick to it. Because they're obviously they're a lot more aero dependent than a stock car, even though I'm not going to get into that. Never mind. But the wind affecting it and uh, how these drivers react to that is going to be the thing to watch for in the Circuit of the Americas Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Because if you lose that back end in an F1 car, it's a lot harder to readjust and get it back and get up to speed than in, in a stock car. Yeah, I mean, this is we're probably gonna be seeing laps around the 140, 141 range since if Charles scored a one thirty six point one six in twenty nineteen, I imagine that's what we're gonna get with larger tires now and all that. Um, last the uh, Lewis Hamilton won the first ever race here. Going through some facts real quick, his last ever win in McLaren before he switched to Mercedes in twenty thirteen came at the Circuit of the Americas in twenty twelve. So that was the last McLaren win was in America. Which back then it wasn't because they didn't go to Abu Dhabi or anything like that. They went um, didn't go America, Mexico, Brazil. That's it. Yes, I think that's was yes. And we brought up the uh, America fielding. One of the things that I love that they're doing. Obviously, they would have been in Russia this week because of geopolitical actions that we are not qualified to talk about. No, not me especially. Yeah, I'm not up to date on. I'm not a world renowned uh, (laughs) educated person as a podcast listener. I once heard say. But uh, one of my favorite things they do is Russia would have had the like the Russian bonnet hats that say Pirelli on it for the podium. Mm-hmm. And here in Austin, Texas, they get cowboy hats. Did they get cowboy hats last time? Yeah, they got cowboy hats. It's kind of like what they did in Miami where they got the football helmets. Yes, but. That was actually cool. I, I love it. I love seeing like uh, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Chuck Leclerc. Have to like put on a cowboy hat and just look confused. At what they're doing. What are they going to give him for Las Vegas? 
because it's only America where they've done mm. something different. Not like an actual like I get Russia did the hat with its stuff differently, but like they've actually like America's like done it differently where it's like not like an actual hat. I don't know hmm. how good it would look, but you could do those like green visors. Like gamblers <laughs> like you see, like you seen like, you seen, like uh like uh poker halls and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could either do that or you could do like the really flamboyant like uh like the I get what you're talking about, yeah. I don't I don't know what they're called. I don't know either. But like um God, I don't even know like I don't know what they could do for that. That's a real interesting thought, though. That's a, re- and this is our only race. Or this is the, the only the second race this year. Where we're not gonna have to wake up early in the morning or stay up late at, into the night for this race since it's two Eastern. That's a big help for a lot of people around here. I think oh, qualifying is gonna be late tomorrow, five p.m. qualifying, or I believe so. Wait, yes, five p.m. qualifying on a Saturday in college football Saturday. And I'm yeah, I'm very I'm very intrigued by how the ratings are gonna be because mm. they're competing with college football. Trying to see what good and you're um, in you're in the heart of college football land. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in Austin, Texas. Right around f- uh, five, uh, Texas, Oklahoma State would be finishing up. That'd be the big draw in that area. Um, not too 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 many good games. I'm trying to figure out where what channel the race is going to be on on or Saturday, just because qualifying, yeah. qualifying, because all the football is going on. Um, it's going to be qualifying will be on ESPN News on Saturday. ESPN News. That's not that bad. It's not bad. And then the actual race is on um, um, uh, ABC. So, Dean, I'm also very because that race is at two o'clock, right? Uh, yes, two o'clock. Two o'clock. So that's going to be competing with the NFL. It's I NFL is king. I will say that, but the fact that it's a terrible NFL slate, I think, helps it out a lot because there is me and Daniel who hosts the Eagles Nest with me. We were we. Had like a five minute NFL preview because it was just that bad of a weekend. Like we had like one good match that we talked about. Yeah, and I'm very intrigued by ratings, mm-hmm. especially because I, I was once in. Well, I still am a NASCAR fan, but comparing ratings to other sports is like a hobby mm-hmm. for me. Now I, I really need to like start writing them down so I can talk about them on the it's show. It's always like NFL, and then like below it, just it's a long way below it. Other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that is going to do it for our little talk on the Circuit of the Americas. When we come back, we got me and Noah's race predictions for this weekend and what we think you guys could see happen in Austin, Texas. So don't go anywhere. This is Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Hello and welcome back into the Bradley Basin Studio inside the Melbourne Student Center. Me and Griggs are here to talk about the phenomenal world of Formula One. Ben McClarkin is currently on a kayaking trip. Trip, Jesus. But folks, we're gonna dive deeper into this Formula One race this weekend in Austin, Texas. Because not only do I think there will be tons of celebrities there, but also all my exes that live in Texas. Mm. Shout out to George Strait; they'll mm. be there as well. Legend. And again, we're going off this since qualifying has yet not happened yet. This is the only race besides maybe Miami that this would even be possible for where we don't have even have anything to go off of. So qualifying starts in 14 minutes on the dot, according to the F1's website. So real quick thing through the driver's standings to constructors before we get into it. Max Verstappen has clinched the driver's championship this year with 366 points currently. Second place is Sergio Perez, 253, also with Red Bull. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc in third with 252, one point behind Checo Perez. 
Fourth is George Russell at 207 with Mercedes. And in fifth, the only other person that can technically get second place is Carlos Sainz of Ferrari. Indeed, looking at the constructor standings, we have Red Bull Racing with 619, Ferrari with 454, Mercedes with 387, Alpine and McLaren are right now currently fighting for fourth and fifth with Alpine having 143 and McLaren with 130. Oh, and FP1 also, we forgot to mention this, Logan Sargent, American, is driving for Williams in the FP1, so the oh. um, not like for like the whole thing, but like I think teams are required to have two non- one is that they're race car drivers, so their driver academy's driving a in a practice session. So there's uh, that. Um, Red Bull can potentially clinch the driver uh, the constructors championship this week. I'm looking back because F1 posted a good graphic the other day on how they can do that. Yes, Red Bull will become champions in Austin if either Red Bull driver wins, so Max Verstappen or Sergio Perez wins, or they finish both second, uh, third, and fourth, or they do not get outscored by Ferrari by 19 points. So it's Likely that this could be the winning weekend for Red Bull. Indeed, and it'd be great for the script and great for the American viewers if they saw a championship win inside of Austin, Texas. Mm. So, no, what could we really be expecting from certain drivers or certain teams for this weekend? Ben already gave his stuff. He thinks Aston Martin is going to be competitive this weekend. And he also thinks Alex Albon is going to score in the points this weekend as well. So what do you what are you looking for in this race? Not just your predictions just yet. Um, I'm going to look for McLaren to do a good job. Mm. You know, this is one of their biggest markets. Uh, they try really, really hard to break into this market, trying way, well, I won't say way harder than Haas is, but definitely trying harder. Not hard, not as hard as Williams. Yeah, not as hard as Williams. But McLaren, you know, they sell the jerseys, and I know from the back of my mind they're just going to have the correct mindset to come out and hopefully score some points inside of this uh, Circuit of the Americas Grand Prix. Yeah, for me, I think, yeah, McLaren would be a good step in the right direction. They can get this one. I'm looking at more of the uh, Alpine, keeping that going, really, after a good performance in Japan with Espen Alcon in fourth and um, Fernando Alonso in seventh, being one of Fernando's uh, last couple races in Alpine. I imagine he's going to do his best. I mean, It's not going to be like those other races where they're going to be downplaying Fernando, I don't think, because he's just done so much for them. He's ter- helped them turn into a competing midfield team. And they're in a battle right now in the constructors, I mean, with um, um, McLaren, because McLaren is down 13 points to Alpine. And they'd probably want to be one spot closer to the end of the paddock than have – or one spot closer to the entrance to the uh, pit lane than McLaren next year. Indeed, you know, that's just two touchdowns. That's two possessions mm. out in Austin, Texas. But, not, uh, not, e- not, even an, not even an extra point. They could even go for two and – They'd be fine tying yeah. it up. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that's going to be the most uh, intriguing midfield battle. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of them will really compete for a podium position. But, you know, points matter. You know. Points do matter. And then the battle between 7, 8, and 9 now, Aston Martin, 7, Haas and, uh, with 45, then Haas and Alfatari tied with 34 points. It could come down to the wire with those three. Yeah, it could. You know, getting uh, points here in Coda would – be an important stepping stone to continue to get points in Mexico, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. Because time is running out, folks. Time is not on any of these teams' side except for maybe maybe Red Bull. I think Red Bull. I mean, we have one, two, three more races left before 
this sad Formula One season has come. Uh, this season has comes to an end, which we will be very sad at. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Just I've been having a good time doing this podcast for a little while. We've done it. We've had a great time doing this. We've podcast. had a great time doing it. And so it's gonna be a shame we're not gonna be able to talk about current Formula One races for a while. Okay, but no, let's talk about qualifying now. Give our poll predictions. With qualifying projected to be really windy tomorrow night, or tomorrow midday in America, mid to late day in America at 5 p.m. Central, which is also the same time as track. What could we really expect from these thing coming out and qualifying? I think when it comes down to this, it's going to come down to experience plus driver handling, and I think it finally happens this weekend. Luis Hamilton grabs that pole position that he's been searching for all year and Formula One gets to make their graphic. You knew you knew that was gonna be mine. I've been on the Lewis try <laughs> I don't I'm a Red Bull fan, but I've been saying it's it's coming. It's coming it's, soon. It's due. It is due. It is very due. Where he most likely I mean I could see honestly I think he could win in Brazil just because that's like they named him like an honorary something or another. Yeah. I could see that happen. Script would make sense. If you went in Abu Dhabi, that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. But for me, I think Hamilton could have a good one. This He has won the most out of anyone at this track. Um, I do believe Max Verstappen is still very strong. But then again, you look at this track, a lot of twisty turns, which has favored the Ferrari all year. I think it's going to go to the guy who's got more pole positions Oh, sorry, excuse me, positions than anyone this season. And I believe Charles Leclerc will be the one to take the podium for the prancing horses in Coda. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening, you know. Uh, Ferrari is, of course, very, very competitive at these sorts of tracks. And I think it's going to come down to randomness from the wind. Mm, Just going to be whoever can go out there and overcome that. And finally, our... Podium predictions, Mr. Phillips, let's start. You let's go three to P1 to start the last step, go to the top, and then I will follow that. I think P3, I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. Mm-hmm. P2, I'm going to go with – actually, no, no, no. P- P3 is going to go to George Russell. Okay. So I think he comes back from that hard weekend he had uh, last race. I think P2 will be – Carlos signs, and then P1, I'm going to go with the setup his, for his home race, Checo. Checo, and then you said P2 is who? P2 is uh, Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz, so that would mean Red Bull would uh, clinch the Constructors' Championship. Yes. All right, now my turn. I think P3, I think it's going to go to Lewis Hamilton. In the Mercedes, he hasn't been on the podium in a minute. I think it's time again for him because he went five. He went won the first one of the. He got P three first race of the year. Then he went a long time without one. Then he went five in a row, and now it's been off for a little bit. So I think he's going to get P three in this one. He knows the track. He's won it more than anyone else. That's my reason behind that one. P two. I'm going to go with. This is a tough one. I'm going to go with Max Verstappen in P2. I don't think he went the thing kind of like what you were talking about earlier. He won in Japan. He won the Drivers' Championship. I don't think it's going to be the case here. I think he'll win at least one or two more this season. Don't know which ones. And then P1. It's a tough one as well, but I'm going to have to give it to Charles Leclerc. 
after all the stuff he went through at the beginning of the year, taking the lead, struggles through the middle of the year, I think it's lining up well for him to win this one, especially, in the, as I said, the Ferrari, which is better in the corners than the Red Bull. Indeed, and I think you may be in agreement with me on this. I think some wacky shenanigans are going to go down. I mean, we've already had Horsey McHorse face from Dana Ricardo. Indeed. That was funny. I, mean, I think at the end of the day, this race is going to come down to who can conquer wacky shenanigans. And who can conquer the wind. And who can conquer the wind. I think that's the big story. But, yes, that is going to do it for this episode of Smooth Operators today. If you missed any of this episode today, feel free to check it out on any of your favorite podcast platform that you might have later today. But for Ben McClurk and Noah Phillips, I'm Griggs Blankenberg. This has been Smooth Operators. We will see you back again same time next week. Have a good race week, everybody, and War Eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.